Amen. Sometimes I sit over there and I hear you guys singing and praising. I'm thinking, Lord, help me to compete with that. (laughs) Sometimes I think, man, I don't need to get up here and talk and preach. You guys already got it, but I'm going to do my best, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. And as you see on the screen, we're going to look at two different passages of Scripture. And last week, we started this series together. This series titled, Caution. And today, we're going to talk about careful, how you live. And I was reading this week, and I came across an article, and it was the winter issue of 1991 of the University of Pacific Review. And the article offered a chilling description of the 1986 Chernobyl nuclear disaster. And this is what it said. There were two electrical engineers in the control room that night. The best things that could be said for what they were doing is that they were playing around with the machine. And they were performing what the Soviets later described as an unauthorized experiment. They were trying to see how long a turbine would freewheel when they took it off the power. They wanted to see how long it could run without the power source. And taking the power off that kind of nuclear reactor is difficult, it's dangerous, because these reactors are very unstable in their lower ranges. And the article said to get the reactor down to that kind of power, they would have to perform the tests that were interested in. They had to override manually separate different computer-driven alarm systems. And so one by one, as they lowered the power, the computers would say to them, stop dangerous. Go no further, the computer screamed. And one by one, the scientists, rather than shutting off the experiment, they shut off the alarms, and they kept going. And you know the results, right, church? The article said a nuclear fallout that was recorded around the world from the largest industrial accident to ever occur. And the end of the article said, A safety test that turned into a worldwide disaster. And so I started doing some more research. I started watching some videos and looking into the Chernobyl incident. And some people claim it to be an accident. Some said, well, they just weren't careful enough. And it was an accident. They didn't mean for it to happen. Whereas others said it was a deliberate violation of instructions and warnings. Some claim it was an accident. Some said, well, no, no, no. They were scientists. They were supposed to be performing experiments. It was an accident. And others said, no. They deliberately ignored the warnings. They deliberately ignored the signs. And because of that, well, we all know about Chernobyl, right? And I don't know if anyone in here is is messing with nuclear reactors. I I can probably presume that you're not, right? Or anyone that's listening in live stream. I don't think any of us are in here dealing with nuclear reactors. Is there anyone that is? All right, I I didn't think so. If anyone is on live stream, please give me a call. I'd be really interested in learning about it. But I don't think any of us are, are dealing with nuclear reactors. However, the truth is, is that all of us have very similar warnings in our life. There are warnings in Scripture that are just as clear 
And if we're not careful, the results will actually be far more devastating for us. Caution. Careful. Pay attention. You probably shouldn't go any further. Watch your step. Last week we began talking about these warnings in our lives and the warnings in Scripture and how we must take them beyond seriously because the fallout of ignoring them is severe and dangerous. And we looked at Hebrews chapter 12. You can turn there if you'd like. But Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 and we discussed how we have been called to have thankful hearts because of what God has done for us. And, and we have been called to worship with a holy fear and awe. And I love the way that's stated. Worship with a holy fear and awe. Worship, it says. And if you remember with me last year during our Exalt series, we said this many times over and over again when we were examining worship and what it means to have a heart of worship. And I'm going to restate it today, and that is worship is more than just a Sunday morning thing, right? So when I talk about worship, typically we think about worship pastors, and we think about music, and we, and we think about all the, 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 the glitz and the glamour, and we think about worship in the sense of, of music and singing a song and coming here for an hour on Sunday, and we listen to the preacher, but worship is more than that. Worship is more than just Sunday mornings. It's more than just singing a song and reading scripture. It's more than listening to the pastor. Though all of those things are important. Yes, we can agree on that. All of those things are vital. However, worship it goes much deeper than that. Worship involves everything that you and I do. Period. It's everything. It's more than Sunday morning. It's more than your daily devotion. Surprisingly to some, the way we live our lives is our worship to God. Did you guys know that? The way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we carry ourselves, the way we present ourselves as Christians is our worship to God. One definition of worship, actually, is showing reverent honor and adoration. Showing reverent honor and adoration. Therefore, the way that we conduct ourselves, our behaviors, our actions, our attitudes, and the way that we treat others is a form of worship. In other words, is the way that I'm living my life giving reverent honor and glory to God? Is the way that I, that I present myself, is the way that I act, is the way that I behave, is the way that I behave in the dark when no one else can see am I giving God the glory because worship is more than a Sunday morning thing guys we can come here and, and, and we can wear our ties and we can show our best and we can put on the mask look how good of a Christian I am however when we go home and we shut the doors when no one else can see are we giving reverent honor and glory to God? Are we, are we worshiping God with a holy fear and awe? The way we live our lives, guys. Am I conducting myself in such a way that when people see me, 
they see someone that's glorifying God. Or am I conducting myself in a way that when people see me, they ask, aren't they a Christian? Is the way I'm presenting myself, when people see me, do I bring the question, I thought they were a Christian. Don't they, don't they go to Greenwood? Don't, don't they go to that Baptist? Don't they go to that church on the corner? I, I thought they were a Christian, yet they're behaving. What? And I know, right, a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about not doing things for the approval of men, right? Or, or the, the approval of people. We're not, we're not supposed to live our lives for their approval. Who, whose approval are we supposed to be seeking? The approval of God, Right? However, my, my dad growing up, and he always said this to me and my brother. I don't know why you have never said it to my sister. Maybe me and, I don't know, maybe, maybe me and my, my, my brother were, were more troublemakers than my sister. However, he always said this to me and my brother. He said, sons, your life is not in a vacuum. He said, people see the way that you live. And I, and I, and I know we're not supposed to live for the approval uh, of men. I get that. We're not, we're not supposed to live for the approval of men. However, the reality is people still see how I live. And the truth of the matter is, the way that I live should never, the way that I behave, the way that I worship, should never push people away from God. When people see us, and the way that we're interacting with other people, and yes, this does include online, They should see us and say, you know what, I want to be a part, there's something different about them. I want to be on their team. I, man, there's, there's something, all they do is talk in love. Man, you know what, it doesn't matter what I say to them, they treat me with kindness. Not the other way around. Man, I don't want to talk to them at all because all they do is belittle me and down me and tell me how much I'm a sinner. The way that we behave should bring people to God not push them further away from God. And we have been warned about this, guys. We have been warned to live with a holy fear and awe. In other words, am I living with a holy fear and awe? Let, Barry, let me ask it this way, real simple. I'll make it as simple as I can for you. How are you living? How are you living? How, how's your life? How, how are you behaving? How you living your I'm not going to go around the room and ask each of you to stand up and tell me and, and confess and all this stuff. That's no. That's not all what I'm not I'm not going to do. I'm not going to stand make you stand up and say tell me your sins. No, I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to ask you to do is this. Take some time for self-evaluation. Look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, how are you living? Take some time to be honest with yourself because oh man, church, I'm telling you right now, we can we can lie to ourselves. We can, actually, it's probably easier to lie to ourselves than it is other people. Because we want to make ourselves seem like we are the greatest things next to sliced bread, right? And, oh, it's so, oh, no, I can, I can justify that. Oh, no, that's the reason I did this. No, that's the reason I did that. Oh, it's no big deal. But what we have to do is we have to stop for a second, look in the mirror, and, and, and examine some self-evaluation time to say, how am I actually living my life? How am I actually behaving? Is it modeling after the example of Jesus Christ, or is it something a little different? Go with me to Scripture, because Scripture tells us something 
that we got to be very cautious of. Ephesians chapter 5, go to verse 15. It says, be careful then how you live. Paul makes it real simple. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Look what it says. Be careful how you live. He warns you, church. He makes it real clear. Careful. Is that how Jesus would act? Careful, careful. Watch what you're about to say. Is that model a follower of Christ? Careful. I, I, I know no one else can see it. I know, I know what's on that computer screen. No one else can see it but you. I know you're in incognito mode. Careful. Don't, don't live as unwise people. Live as wise people. And every day, listen to me, I got you. Every day we have voices speaking into our lives, right? All of us are bombarded every single day with voices. We have voices from parents, spouses, kids, bosses, teachers, professors. We have the government. We have media. We have social media. We have friends and a whole number of other voices, right? Every single day just chirping in our ear, bombarding us, shoving stuff into our face. And with this many voices and opinions bombarding our thoughts and minds every single day, it is easy to be swayed off track. It's easy to get lost, not even realizing the direction that we're headed. How many of you... I am going to make you raise your hand on this one. How many of you have been driving aimlessly, not realizing you are completely lost? Anyone else? Yeah. All right, there's a few honest folk in here. Thank you for the three of you that have done that. The rest of you, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I believe you. I'll say that. There we go. I believe you. No, but some of us, those of us who are honest, have been driving, and we are just absent-minded. We're just going along, and all of a sudden, our wife leans over and says, do you know where you're going? Oh, yeah, honey. I know where I'm going. She's like, no, you don't. Oh, I got it. I will get there eventually, right? It's like driving and the GPS is off, yet you have no idea where you're going. Or, or, or you thought you read the map correctly. However, the map was upside down. And by not following the GPS or listening, as in my case, listening to my wife, we have lived here over a year now, and it seems like I still don't know where I'm going. And she whispers real gently in my ear, you, you took the wrong turn again. I know, honey, but this is, I, this is the way I do it when you're not here. She goes, yeah, but it takes twice as long. I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's why it takes me forever to get to where I'm going. However, sometimes when we're driving and we don't, we're, we're not paying attention to the GPS telling us you've got to turn right, we just keep on driving, we're just ignoring it. And the same is in our spiritual lives. You see, in order for us to reach our proper destination, in order to get to where we have been called to go, we have to listen to the GPS that God has given us. It's the word of God, his holy word, church. You see, when, 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 our, when our physical GPS is telling you, turn right, what do you do? You turn right. When it says, stay straight for 10 miles, what are you going to do? You're going to stay straight for 10 miles. Husbands, when your wife says, I know a better way, what are you going to do? Yes, ma'am, I'll go that way. <laughs> but yet, yet, listen, yet, when, when God says, don't behave this way, what do we say? Oh, no. That's not how I interpreted it. God says, no, no, don't, don't go that way. No, you have to turn right. And we say, ah, I'll go left. It's okay, God, I got this. And he's saying, there, no, you're about, to, you're about to end up somewhere you don't want to go. You're about to go down a road that's going to take you straight to a really bad place. All you have to do is follow my GPS. All you got to do is listen to this, and you'll get there. And we're saying, nah, 
God, I got this. And he tells us, actually, no, no, he warns us. He says, be careful how you're living. How we choose to live our lives, guys, it matters. The daily choices that we make have and will continue to affect us. Plain and simple, guys. Careful how you live. Paul, in, in this letter to the church in Ephesus, in this little teeny tiny paragraph, he makes two assumptions. And I absolutely, I, I love the assumptions that he makes here. Because um, he's just playing, he's just up front with it. And the first assumption is this. Christians are wise, not unwise. Christians are not fools, guys. Lean to your neighbor and say, you are wise. Okay, now lean to your other neighbor and say, you're a pretty smart person. And you, you know why I say that? And you know why Paul made that assumption there? Because you made the choice to accept Jesus Christ into your life. Plain and simple, you made a very wise choice. You're a sm- Listen, guys, you guys are smart people. God gave you guys a brain and you're using it. You guys are wise people. Because you made the choice to leave your life of sin. You, you made the choice to allow God to break the chains of sin You made the choice to say, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ into my life. And now you're living for him. And that right there, because what Paul's doing here, he's not writing to a group of sinners. He's writing to a church. He's writing to people who have been saved. And he says, look, you Christians, you Christ followers, you people who are following the same thing I'm following, you guys are wise people. Because you made a really good choice. Better yet, it's the best choice we can ever make, guys. Christians, you're you're not fools. Though the world wants to make us out to be fools. That's just the enemy attacking us. The reality is you guys are wise people. The second assumption that he makes, and this is so important, is Christian wisdom is practical wisdom, guys. So often when we, when we read the Bible and, and, and we study it and we study the doctrine and stuff, we, we overcomplicate it. We think, oh, I can't understand it. I, oh, no, I can't live that way. I, that they're, they're, they're more holy. than No, listen, this is for everybody. It doesn't matter where in your faith you are. Christian wisdom is for you. The Bible is for you. These warnings are for you. The way we're supposed to live our lives, they're for you guys. It's it's practical because it teaches us how to behave and how to conduct ourselves. It really isn't that. We've made it more complicated than it is. And Scripture clearly says, other translations say, look carefully how you walk. Be careful where you put your feet. Our Christian walk or our behavior must no longer be like the world, period. Romans chapter 12, I believe it's verse 2, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. We are supposed to be different in the world but not of the world. And don't think that the preacher's telling you to leave here and go abandon all your sin. No, that's not not what I'm saying. Don't don't abandon your your, your, your friends who who aren't Christians. It's okay to have, because how else are we going to reach them, right? You can't reach a sinner unless you're hanging out with a sinner, right? And then the truth is we're all just sinners saved by grace or we're sinners living in sin. There's, there's only two options. But what we have to do is we have to be careful where we walk. We are in the world. However, we have been called not to be of the world. We've been called to live differently. Though the world wants to tell you, no, you can live like us. No. No, we can't. Plain and simple, we can't. Instead, we must live worthy of God's call. We must live in love. We must live, listen to this, as children of the light, church. That's how we've been called to live. 
Let me put it this way. Everything worth doing is worth doing with care. Everything important in our life, we take care of, right? Your family, it's important to you. You're going to take care of it. Your house, it's important to you. You worked hard to buy that house. Or you work hard to pay rent. So what are you going to do? You're going to take care of it. Your car, you work hard to take care of it, right? Your job, oh my goodness, you got to take care of your job, otherwise you can't pay for the things I just said. You got to take care of your job. You got to take care of your education. You got to take care of your hobbies. You got to take care of your dress. You got to take care of your appearance and your reputation. All of these things are important. And so what do we do? We take care of them as we should. But isn't our Christian walk far more important than all of those things? Isn't our salvation, isn't our, our relationship with God far more important than everything that I just listed? And the question is, are we taking care of it? Because we take care of all the things of this world. Are we taking care of our spiritual lives as well? If we believe that, then why aren't we taking care of it? We've got to take care of our Christian life, guys. We've got to nurture our relationship with God. We must treat it as a serious thing that it is. It says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Another translation says this, and I love it, and don't take it offensively. All right, I love it. It says, be most careful then how you conduct yourselves like sensible people, not like simpletons. I like that. He says, look, be sensible people. Be people who are following God's word, who are following the teeth. Don't be like simpletons or just continually living in sin. He says, you are different. You are wise people. You have been saved by grace. You are now set apart you are God's children, therefore stop being simpletons, stop being fools, and live differently. Stop following the ways of the world and listen to me. He says plain and simple, you've got to be careful. And so how do wise people live? Well, church, let me make it even more simple for you. Let's break this down two ways how wise people live. Number one, wise people make the most of their time. They make the most of their time. Wise people know that time is a precious commodity. All of us have the same amount of time at our disposal. Every one of us do. There are 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 365 days in a year. None of us can stretch it. None of us can shrink it. Time goes on. Plain and simple. All of us have been given the same amount of time. But wise people use it to the fullest possible advantage. They don't waste the time. God has given them time, and they're using it. They know that time passes. And also, as the passage teaches, read there, it says the days are evil. So they seize each fleeting moment or opportunity while it's there. Because once it passes, listen to me, once time is gone, you ain't getting it back. Plain and simple. And here's the even scarier truth. You ready? None of us are promised tomorrow. Time goes on whether we like it or not, guys. And wise people take advantage of that moment. John Maxwell wrote this. He said, time management is an oxymoron. Time is beyond our control. And the clock, clock keeps ticking regardless of how we lead our lives. He says, priority management is the answer to maximizing the time we have. He says, our days are identical suitcases, all the same size. All of our suitcases are the same, guys. 
He says, but some can pack more into them than others. No one has a magical ability to make time. But if our lives have direction, we can make the most of the moments that we have been given. So I want to ask you again, church, how are you living? How are you living? Are you making the most of your time? Or are you living selfishly? Are you living materialistically? Are you living for the approval of others? Or are you living to make a kingdom impact? Are you living and worshiping with a holy fear and awe of God? How we live in church? Are we here to make a kingdom impact? Are we here just to go through the motions and living for ourselves? And the reality is the choice is ours. You see, we can live bitter and angry at the world. You can. And that's your choice. No, nah, Pastor, that's not my choice. You don't know. No, it's your choice. Well, preacher, they didn't. Well, they make. Nope. It's your choice. You can live with anger and bitterness. That's your choice. I heard it said once, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. Did they hurt you? Yeah, I'm not minimizing that. Absolutely not. And if I could, I'd take that pain from you. But the choice is yours. Are we going to waste our time living with bitterness and anger? Are we going to choose to live in sin knowing what the consequence is? Well, pastor, I don't know what the consequence is. Yeah, you do. I know preachers nowadays aren't supposed to talk about it. But the consequences of sin, guys, are we wasting our time or are we going to do what verses 1 and 2 said? Go there with me. It says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Church, the choice is yours. How are you going to live your life? Are we going to live it in sin? Or are we going to be imitators of God? How are you living? And lastly, and this is where I close, wise people live according to Scripture. Wise people don't waste their time because they're too busy living according to Scripture. It says, be careful how you live. And if you want to learn how to live, and you want to learn how God wants you to live, it's quite simple. We've got to follow the blueprints. We've got to follow the GPS that God's given us, guys. It's really that easy. Don't overcomplicate it. If you want to live right, if you want to live according to God's word, then start living according to Scripture. And I can't make it any simpler than that. God's laid it out for us. Just read Ephesians chapter 5. He laid it out real simple there. He says, this is how you conduct yourself, and this is what you don't do. And the very first thing he says is, be imitators of God. Church, we are children of God. And we have been called to live in love. So, I ask one more time. How are you living your life? Scripture says, be careful then how you live. And you go back to verse 1 and 2. Be imitators of God. Live as dearly loved children. 
live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. How are we choosing to live, church? Stand your feet with us, worship team. Did we lose some of the kids? Uh-oh. We do one more song to wrap up today and just an invitation to echo what Andrew was saying, that there's one way for us to live, and that's to follow Jesus, be in relationship with Jesus. The bridge of the song I really love, I want to teach it to you guys. It says, You are the way, the truth, and the life. We live by faith and not by sight for you. We live in all for you. And you are the way, the truth, and the life. We live by faith and not by sight for you. Living all for you. Brandon, bring the kids back. Where'd they go? They're going to find the kids. Huh? They're going to find the kids. All right, good. We'll just sing that again one more time. They got to be in here. This is their song. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Live by faith and not by sight for you. Living all for you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We live by faith and not by sight for you. We live in all for you. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Come on, Scott. I lay my life down at your feet. You're the only one I need. I turn to you when you are always there. You guys got some emotions? Yeah! In troubled times, it's you I see. I put you first, that's all I need. My humble all I am, all to you. One way! One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. You're the only one, you're the only one, you're the only one that I could live for. You're the only one, you're the only one, you're the only one that I could live for. We're always, always there, every how and everywhere. Grace will bounce so deeply within me. You never ever change. Never ever, ever change. Yesterday, today, the same. Forever till forever, it's no way. One way, one way, Jesus. 
You're the only one that I could live for One way, Jesus You're the only one that I could live One way, one way, Jesus You're the only one that I could live for One way, Jesus You're the only one that I could live for We live for you All right you guys ready? We're gonna sing that bridge. If you feel like you can do it, we're gonna get down. You are the way to choose and the life and live by faith and God bless for you. You are the way. You are the way to choose and the life and live by faith and God bless for you. Let's take it on up now, come on! You are the way to tell the life we live by faith and for you. We live it all for you. One more time, you are the way. You are the way to truth and life we live by faith and not by for you. We live it all for you. One more time, one way. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. Man, I was singing along, but these tight pants don't stretch, and I don't think the church is ready for the preacher to blow out his pants. All righty, guys, let's go to prayer together. Um, and as we do, we did just get an update on Glenn. He is being uh, sent to... So Glenn is septic. He's being admitted into uh, intermediate care, um, and there is elevated lactic acid in his blood, so we do need to remember him in prayer. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now, and Lord, we are so excited to be here and to be able to worship you and study your word. And Father, you told us that there is only one way, and that is through you. And so Father, I pray right now that each of us can be careful on how we're living. Help us, Lord, to follow your word and to follow your son's example so that we can be the light and the salt in our communities. So when people see us, they're not turned away. But, Lord, help us to be magnets, drawing people closer to you. Help us right now, Lord. And, Father, if there is a need in the congregation right now and those listening in, Lord, I pray that you take it from them. Do not allow them to leave here today carrying that burden. Instead, Lord, give them your strength Give them your encouragement and help them, Lord, to leave here knowing that they are loved children who are living in your light. And it's in your glorious name that we pray. And everybody said it. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. And at 630 tonight, we're going to be back in the sanctuary for our prayer service. God bless you guys.